guys. Welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 135. This week on the show, I've got an awesome conversation with Haley Crusher Kane of Haley and the Crushers. Uh, really looking forward to you guys checking this one out. Um, big fan of what they're doing. Uh, had a great time talking with Haley. A, she's super funny. Uh, but B, we talked about a lot of really cool stuff. Um, you know, moving from California to Michigan, um, developing their sound and, you know, kind of getting to work with um, some incredible people and, you know, being able to kind of see the world not only through their fresh eyes in the music scene uh, to some degree, which there's a lot that we talk about with that as well, but also getting the input from some legendary uh, punk influences. Um, And, you know, I think they're really poised to put on this incredible uh, push for the scene and really potentially springboard into a a whole new level. Um, They're getting ready to drop their new album, and that is called Modern Adult Kicks. Uh, That is coming out uh, here in just a couple weeks. Um, We're September the 13th. The new album will drop. Uh, That's coming out via Kitten Robot Records. And, you know, they've already dropped some singles off of it, uh, four of the singles to be precise, and definitely think you guys need to go check those out. Uh, But for now, let's dive into this conversation that I had with Haley because it's super fucking fun. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. I know I did. And here we go. Let's dive into this conversation with Haley Crusher Kane of Haley and the Crushers. Awesome. Um, So yeah, (laughs) take To kick things off, I do start with the same boring-ass question every single time. Who are you and kind of a little background on yourself? Uh, My name is Haley Kane or Haley Crusher Kane. Um, I am a known eccentric musician and writer uh, from California who is now living in Detroit, Rock City, beautiful motor city. And um, I'm from the band Haley and the Crushers. I formed that band in around 2016, and I am a guitar player and singer for that band with my husband slash bass player slash rat dog dad, Dr. Reed Kane Esquire, who is the world's most famous fake doctor and fake lawyer. My parents are very proud. (laughs) We have a traveling band of drummers that we consider our honorary crushers who uh enliven our lives and we take them on the road and we somehow pull out uh a bunch of shows and we tour and uh did i mention we have small dogs we have small dogs i think that's kind of like a nice well-rounded yeah intro on me yeah for sure and you know i think it's it's funny you mentioned that your husband is the the world's most famous uh fake doctor and lawyer because you know every quote unquote, every stereotypical parent's dream is that you you marry up into that like doctor and lawyer <laughs> field. So why not, right? Right. I really lucked out. So if, in case anyone cares about the name and where he got that from, because when you see him live, he's a very fun bass player and people really enjoy his like speed and agility and he jumps. He's also kind of mean looking. He got his name from when he lived in Oakland in the 90s and he used to go to a comic book store called Mr comics dr comics and mr games he used to actually work there briefly and then he when he moved to san luis obispo california which is where the two of us met for the first mm-hmm. time he opened his own comic book store which he called dr kane's comics and games a sort of an homage to that comic book store he loved from oakland and he always said that would be his villain name dr kane because his last name is kane yeah and so the Esquire, I don't know where the Esquire came on, but I feel like it just adds a mystique. And he still to this day refuses to let me put his real name on any record, on any CD, like anything that has to do with the music. He's Dr. Kane Esquire and should be referred to as such. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, you got to take it. Yeah. Anything <laughs> anything that sets you aside, especially in the, the genre, you know, which I want to talk about a lot with you. Sure. Um, you know, 
it's easy to get lumped into the general punk scene, you know, like, but there's so much more depth to this. It's this, uh, as your PR team has been calling it, and I'm sure you had a hand in this, it's this poolside <laughs> glitter punk. Um, but it's, a, it's this very like retro nostalgia feeling punk with so much new life to it that like, it's hard to compare you to any one band without downplaying what you are. That's really kind. Thank you so much. We like to say it's like, you know, Richard Simmons used to sweat the oldies. Like we add a little oldies into our punk and it just adds a little bit extra caffeine to it. Yeah. Um, I feel like the, like when you say that it's easy to get lumped into punk, I find that interesting because one, I would say, if you're a lot of people that are into punk, like even like really into all the subgenres, would be like, no way. But I think you're 100% correct when it comes to like different areas where maybe the punk scene is very like one dimensional. And I come from California mm -hmm. where the punk scene is so interdimensional. Like, for instance, one of my favorite bands growing up was always X, which combines Americana music, rockabilly music, hardcore music, uh, early. I mean, they were an early 77 punk band or original right. punk band. Like they add so much weird shit. They got saxophone in there somehow. And um, the way that I've always seen punk, I think is from the lens of a Californian and right. to see like the surf music infused into it or the oldies music infused into it and all that, you know? So yeah. I, I come from a kind of an eclectic view of punk. And when I first got into punk, I, my guitar teacher, thankfully, gave me so many different things at once. He wouldn't let me because I was like, I only want to play Ramones, Operation Ivy and Screeching Weasel songs. And he said, here's some James Brown. Here's some Clash. Yeah. You know, he was like giving me all these different windows into it. And now that I'm an adult and I can look at just the, the things that you get into when you're a kid and the first things you get into, I'm like, OK, yeah, he had a point there. Like there's such a big it's just a planet. There's a punk planet out there. It's just like populated with so many different, different things to just, you know, get your fix. So I agree. And I disagree with that. Yeah, no. And I, I totally respect that. And I think the thing is, you know, so many people, I'm going to sound so old, especially I'm the old. young kids, you know, they, you hear punk and you're like, immediately your mind goes to a couple different places. And I, I hate to say MGK right now, but like, Obviously, for the younger generation, that's kind of where their mind goes with his latest album. And it's like, but to me, punk has always been similar to you. It's it's anything that's been kind of counterculture, right? Like anything that's going against the grain and talking about rebellion to some extent, but just stepping outside of the normal. Like that that's yeah. what punk music is, is we're not the normal kids. Look at what we all can be. Right. Like I think there's an opportunity for any one of us, even like the most white bread of any age to go their own way. But you're right. It's usually the youth that are the ones that are going to be the first to do that. And I feel like maintaining that energy as someone who's in my mid thirties now, it's kind of funny because yeah. Um, I don't even know where I'm going with this, but just it's, it's, it's just, it's really just, you know, expressing yourself is scary. I think for, any human being and for those who do it they're punk if you're a drag queen you're punk you know if you are just really nerdy and really into like making model trains and you're just fucking down for it that's punk <laughs> and i've gotten to this point where i realize like oh that's that's literally all it is and like i think that it's nice to have that as like throughout my life as almost like a religion i didn't grow up with religion i was raised with parents that are both staunchly atheist and almost very, very atheist. Sorry, guys, but very to the point where I was like, do we have to get eaten by worms? Like, I, I don't know. Um, and so having some sort of church, religion, whatever you want to call it, where like you, there's something beyond you that's worth working towards. And that thing is like self-expression and freedom and, you know, pure energy, just pure, I don't know, joy. Like I see punk and I think of joy, like yeah. joy can be a very, um, off the beaten path thing to pursue in life. A lot of people are not pursuing joy. So yeah, it is almost like having that just like omnipresent 
like good force. Like it's it's definitely a force of self-destruction. I always like to say punk rock. I always say punk rock simultaneously destroyed and saved my life. And it's hundred percent true. Both of these are true. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And that's what I've said similarly with, you know, the assumption is punk rock is anti-establishment and it's all these anti things. It's about breaking everything down. But like for those of us that are in the punk culture, sure. At the surface level, it's about rebelling, but it's really about all of us coming together and just being unapologetically ourselves and like building. Yeah. And and that's what I was going to say, building the individuality and the human beings instead of the structure of a government or whatever. Yeah. Like what came to mind when you were saying that was just like, instead of tearing things down, it's about what do you want? What are you going to build? There's this great little spot near my house. It's like a little book co-op. It's a bunch of volunteers that got together and now they have this amazing bookstore. It's run by volunteers. They're very passionate. I mean, I see that as like a way to build the future you want. When you see small venues that are put together by people that are really passionate and care about the bands and care about the environment they're, they're putting together. That's amazing. That's building, you know, making, I wanted to say making zines, such I used to do, but maybe that's too old, but like making anything really. And I don't think it's defined just to like, but bass drums and guitar. In fact, that's right. not even like, that's oldies. Um, mm-hmm. There has been a huge shift away from rock based music. And when I say rock, I get that. That's fine. But in some ways it makes others, it makes me stand out. It makes bands like mine that are a a simple kind of simple trio, honestly, in real life, uh, our real concerts are not as lush and layered as the records and just being banging on shit and, you know, having three chords played in a different succession than, than yesterday is, is kind of like, you know, what we do. (laughs) Yeah. No. And I think that's, that's the beauty again of punk rock is that, you know, whether it's the the polished side of an album or the live show, like you can do all these really cool things for an album and build this big grand sound. But at the end of the day, when you're playing it live, even if it is stripped down to just three core instruments, like the message is what delivers punk rock. Yeah. Yeah. We we carry that philosophy into our gear too, where we, we like laugh and say we only play on borrowed or shitty gear, but it's not necessarily that glib. It's more just like we have kind of shitty gear. We, we treat gear as a tool and we feel like if it's a hammer, then it should just put the nail on the wall. So we do have good pedals that we bring, for instance, on tour so we can borrow people's amps and go like, do you have a clean channel? Great. Cause I have the perfect either for Dr. Kane, it's a fuzzy, cha- fuzzy base. And I have a, Dan Electro spring reverb pedal that makes it sound like I have this beautiful, gorgeous, wet reverb on it. And it somehow kind of works out. And like, I just feel like that philosophy can kind of go towards so much in life. Like it's about the heart, the soul, the energy you put into something so much more. It's like 5% gear. It's like Mm -hmm. 5% what your gear is. And the bands that are really obsessed with their gear or are really weird, I get it because, Hey, their gear is expensive. They don't want it to get fucked up. But I feel like there's a direct correlation between having the best gear in the world and being like a total douchebag and or being frightened. Like, yeah. like, why do you need this? Like, you don't need it. It's a tool. It's like a drill, you know? Yep. That's how we see it anyways. But that's a very punk and very utilitarian way to look at music. I know I'm like probably in the minority minority in terms of like musicians, but I, that's how I feel about it. See, you say that, but... <laughs> As you described all that, what came to mind, there was a, like a documentary thing that Jack White was a part of back a few years ago called, it's going to get loud or this is loud, something like that. And he literally makes a guitar out of a set of pickups, a two by four and a glass Coke bottle for this to be the bridge for the strings. Like, and it's the most incredible sounding makeshift guitar, but it goes to prove your point. Like at the end of the day, the equipment itself doesn't matter. It's the passion that drives the music. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look at all, I mean, everything in rock and roll came from blues musicians, black blues musicians. And what did they have? Yeah. You know, they had like the crummiest shit that they put together or even some good quality stuff that maybe was passed down from generations. But like, 
yeah, I think it's really about the spirit. It's really about the spirit. And, and you can tell pretty quickly when someone doesn't have the, the spirit, because that's the hardest part. The hardest part is maintaining that kind of a spirit through yeah. all the shit that happens at, as a musician on stage, off stage, all the work involved. It's like, if you can keep that rock and roll spirit and live with whatever shitty gear you have, you're my friend. Like I get it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And that's, I think that's the thing is, you know, it, you can fake, this is going to sound weird for maybe a casual listener, but you can fake talent. And that sounds really weird because oh, you like, can. yeah, because yeah, it, well, inherently the word talent means you're born with it, but like you can fake being able to play something really good, but you can't fake authenticity and passion. There, yeah, there's absolutely. no way to fake that. Yeah, that's right. And if, if, if authenticity and passion are the, are the currency, then I think the Ramones are the blueprint because they certainly were an amazing example of that for so many bands that realized that they, if they had the drive and the energy and the point of view, perhaps the rest of it could follow. So yeah. um, we definitely, and this album, this new album, it's called Modern Adult Kicks. We've definitely tried to, ele- we have elevated like the orchestration and adding different layers and working with different people that have been able to polish different parts of our sound and bring in different counter melodies and things like that. But yeah, once you get on stage, all that shit falls away. Unless of course you have like in-ear monitors and your drummer's playing to a click track and you got all this crazy shit happening and there's like lasers, which I would love to do one day. I would love to be part of a show that's like, we always joke, it's like the Alan Jackson show where like, he'll be like, Hey guys, how's it going? And he'll sing, he'll do like two chords and then the guitar goes behind his back and he just starts singing along the music. And it's like, there's fiddle coming from somewhere, but there's no fiddle on stage. And like, I would love to do it as an experience. And I've actually seen a few modern day bands recently that I'm like, okay, that was actually pretty cool. And it's obvious they had it all orchestrated behind the scenes. They had a laptop on stage. That's kind of fun as like a theatrical thing. Like one of these days I do want to try that, but We'll see if I actually eat my words because it's a little chaotic for me up here. So we'll see if I can handle it. But, and it's one of those things, you know, technology is great while it works. Uh, but, you know, God forbid that laptop dies or, you know, something happens yeah. to the track and it skips. And now you're standing there looking like Millie Vanilli going, uh, I don't know what the fuck just happened. So here we are. <laughs> yeah. Listeners, depending on your age group, it's either Millie Vanilli or yeah. Ashley Simpson. There you go. Yeah. Doing like the SNL gig or jig where she's like, Ooh, and she runs off stage. I thought that was yeah. the funniest thing. Yeah. Oh my God. I would love, you know what? That should be incorporated into our stage show. We should pretend like we have it the orchestration and then my voice will come on and it'll skip and I'll just look right. really embarrassed. <laughs> You heard it here first. Yeah. I'm doing it. That sounds We're designing amazing. it. Yeah, we're That's, designing it. Let's do this. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. If I saw a band do that, I would be like their fan forever because that's hilarious and so embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so you just kind of touched on the new album uh, coming out this fall. Yeah. So yeah. Modern Adult Kicks. Uh, obviously, we don't want to give too many spoilers or anything like that. But let's let's talk a little bit about this because it's definitely a passion project and it coming out of the COVID years, you know, this is that release finally. Yeah. I'm sure you talk to so many bands that are at this point of like, Oh my God, we got this thing out Yeah, (laughs) between the vinyl delays, having to work remotely, which we did. We split our time between our home studio in California and um, the LA kitten robot records where we would do all our vocals and, and other different tracking. And yeah, it was, it was, it was like, it felt like 10 years, but it was two years. I keep telling people that I'm like, how is it two years that we did this record? But yeah, Modern Adult Kicks is like our follow-up to Vintage Millennial, which I just only bring that up because like even the name Vintage Millennial to Modern Adult Kicks, I feel like it shows a maturity or like a growing up. And let me tell you, 2020 and 2021 had us kicking and screaming into adulthood as a band because we're all adults in the band, obviously, but we're a very fun band, we're a very whimsical band. And the things that we went through as a band, both individually and together, were so hard and so shitty. And the whole world was so shitty at that time that like, it really does come out in the music. However, like so many other bands that went through hard times during COVID, I feel like it's what the world needs now. Like we all need to dance, but it also needs to be real. 
And there are some real songs on here that are about battling with addiction. They're about codependency, um, difficult relationships. We have a song on here called California Sober, which is, do you know that term? Yes. (laughs) There's this whole trend right now of like, I don't drink, but I do, you know, psychedelic drugs and stuff. And that makes me Zen. And it's like, there's, and I'm, and that I feel like has permeated our culture a bit, this sense of like, I'm mindful and therefore I'm Zen, but really, are you mindful? Like there's a lot of interesting stuff happening in our world. It's very real. And I guess with this record, we were not intentionally or not, we were kind of straddling like this fun, whimsical crusher verse that like we created and like the real world, like smacking us in the face and being like, your ability to work is gone. Your ability to tour is gone. Reed sold his comic book shop before the pandemic so we could tour more. <laughs> um, <laughs> like our, our drummer got a horrible, horrible skateboarding accident. And could barely, I mean, he couldn't walk, he could much less drum. He managed to, to record some of the drums on this album with a torn um, knee. And it's like, it all comes out in the music and it's, but it's all about, it's all about joy too. Like it's about going through this together. And I feel like maybe our, I hate to say fans, but like our friends of the Crushiverse are like growing with us and growing up with us as vintage old millennials that we are um, and early Gen Xers uh, or even mid grumpy Gen Xers like Dr. (laughs) Kane. Like maybe, maybe we're all going through this tumultuous time together and like coming out of it a little bit bruised, but like, that's the beauty of it. We didn't look away. We were just like, this is the shit that's happening. And that's yeah. kind of how I feel the album is like, it's, and I'll let you talk, but but I have to say one more thing. No, it's still, Cause I know I'm like talking a lot, but it's still to be seen whether this is the funny part, the way we do music is so joyful that I almost wonder if it'll come out and people will be like, that was fun. And like, they won't get any of the subtext. So that could happen. And if that happens, I'm fine with that too. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think for me, you know, like that's one of the things I've gotten away from. I've done music journalism for almost 20 years now. And so like way back in the day when I didn't know any better as a young, you know, 18, 19 year old kid, I'm always like, well, what's this song about? Like, what's the real story for this? And then like over the years, I realized I'm taking away the connection that people are making with these songs. And I think that's what you're getting at is like, if someone listens to this new album and they only see the joy in it, great. That's the connection you're making. Mm -hmm. But if you listen to it and you hear the heartache and the struggles and things like that and make a connection to your life, like that's even better because you're seeing what's really here. Yeah. And you have to go both ways. I mean, I don't know any artist that's like, you must, well, I do actually. <laughs> that sounds like a, like a New York hardcore band or something. It's like, our lyrics are literal. And if you don't, if I don't smack them down your throat and you don't swallow them, then, you know, it's like, come on. Like, it's all so, it's all up for grabs and who knows and who even knows what becomes popular or why. I swear it's just such a cosmic soup of like being in the right place, the right time. Are you hitting on something and culturally it's like at this point you know it's been like maybe six years of this band we're like there's so many st- songs that come out that you're like this won't want, this won't be that popular and it's like that's the one or right. you know how it is it's just like you really have to I think in music you have to let go a lot and like it's hard because so much of what musicians do is like control and manipulate a world and create a thing that you have full control over and that's like such a fun thing to like get a boner over metaphysically but then, you know, you also have to let complete control, you let it completely go and just be like, it, it's out there. And it's just, you know, that's like the beauty of it though. That's the beauty yeah. of making all art is like, you know, that really hard, intense, you know, in a room working on something and then just like being like, okay, beautiful baby, goodbye. I hope that people like it. And if not, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, and I, I've talked to several artists about that exact subject where like, you know, until a song gets released or a a piece of art, whether it's a music video or, you know, traditional art with paintings or whatever, like working on my art, it's mine. I can control it. I'm protecting it. Like I have full soul interest in it. But then the day comes that you go, Hey world, look at this thing that I made. And it, it's kind of this weird catch 22 of like, I'm really proud of this, but I'm also terrified that you're going to hate it. (laughs) <laughs> so like here it is just 
be kind, I guess, and go away. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the best things, I don't, know, I don't even know what celebrity said this. I think a lot of celebrities do say it, but it's like, whatever the praise is, it's, it has nothing to do with you. And whatever the shit is, it has nothing to do with you. And I feel like that's a really good way to look at the world in terms of like the stuff that's coming at you is mostly projections from what other people are seeing and feeling. And so even the good stuff, you should kind of be like, that's nice. And not internalize it too much, you know, because then who knows, you start writing something that's more similar to that vein, or you try to seek that dopamine from that source. And that's not a good, that's not art anymore. That's just social media, you know, or you're like, Ooh, selfies get more likes. I'm going to do more selfies, you know, and that's not content and art are two different things. I joke that they're the same thing because it's funny to me because it's like content creators, like it's, it's all content, but like. art is not quantifiable in that way. It should not be quantifiable in that way. And I do worry about social media kind of turning our art into this quantifiable AB testing. You can put it out there before it's really half-baked and then see if people like it or not. And then who knows, maybe that was your first draft and people didn't like it. And it's like, some of this stuff is really meant to be maybe more kept closer to the vest a little bit. Um, I've learned that being on the internet most of my life, that some stuff is meant to be held really close to the vest until you're ready to let it into the world. And it has wings and it can do its thing, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, we're both in the MySpace generation. So like we're used to seeing from that aspect of stuff, like bands all the time, you'd land on their page and it's like, oh, here's a 30 second clip of this new song. Like people today think that that's a new thing with TikTok or whatever. And it's like, no, like, we all learned how to fucking code websites back in the day, all right? Like, we knew stuff. HTML, baby. Yeah, yeah I kind of, I knew a little bit of website stuff. I definitely had a website as a kid with, like, a message board that my friends would go on periodically. Well, I don't know how close the friends they were, but they would, like, periodically, like, put porn on it. So I'd be yeah. like, this is my message board, guys. And they'd, like, make it all, like, terrible and graphic and stuff and... Yeah, I, I miss those days of the internet. Oh my gosh, MySpace, the hair, everything. I miss yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it was it was something. It, yeah. And like to look back, obviously looking back, it's like man, and I hate this word, but we were we were very cringy kids. Like looking back, we did stupid, stupid stuff. But for the time, I think it goes back into what we were saying earlier about punk rock, like it was so counterculture because it was this new thing, this new way to interact with people. We could finally, you know, it makes us sound old, but that was the birth of the internet for a lot of us where we were going, I can talk to somebody that's in fucking Japan. Like how's yeah. this a real thing? And, and LimeWire. Yeah. Like I was down, I had a whole computer, shout out to my dad, who's a computer guy. He gave me like a whole, like, cause he gets those, those old computers that are like old dinosaurs from his work. So give me, he gave me one that was just LimeWire. And I was just like, ooh, just like downloading so much weird British punk and oi and stuff and street punk. But um, I do want to say, like, I think everybody's autobiography in any era is literally, we were really cringy kids. And the subtitle is, and we did really stupid stuff. Because yeah. if you look back, like look back into like into the annals of history or whatever, and you you see that every generation is cringy. My mom always used to say growing up that every generation thinks that they invented invented sex and every generation thinks they invented embarrassment. It's like, it's kind of true because you could totally yeah. look back at the 80s and be like, wow, that was a lot of cocaine, shoulder pads <laughs> and like new wave. Like, what the fuck was that? And like, yeah. you know, at least they don't have like the pictures burned into the our retinas forever because the internet, but like, I'm just saying that to give us more grace to say like, yeah, we, it was cringy and we did really stupid things, but I guarantee you that kids will be doing really stupid things until this planet dies from um, the, the oceans rising and the yeah. temperature increasing. So Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, and I, I think, you know, if anybody needs proof of that, just hop on TikTok for more than five minutes and you'll see that that's exactly I won't do it you know it's funny like I was on TikTok for like two seconds and I recognized in myself I was like nope this ain't gonna work for me because I'm gonna get hooked on this I need to stop so I just I don't even have TikTok anymore so I've just like cut it out it's a a safe bet it's a safe (laughs) safe bet um so let's talk a little bit about one of the things that I love talking about when someone has a new piece of art coming out a new album and and things like that is 
I don't think casual listeners know enough about the process of like selecting singles and things like that because it's it's this weird mindset, right? Where it's like, well, I think this one's going to be popular, but I I maybe care about this other one a little bit more or, you know, I think this one has the potential to reach this, you know, demographic and that's really popping off right now. So like for you guys as you're coming up on the release of this album, you've already dropped a few singles. Yeah. What's been kind of that mindset for you in that selection process? Oh, you're going to peel back the curtain. A little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> you know, I'm all for it. I think it's important that I just I like to peel it back too for other bands. I always wish other bands would talk about stuff like this cuz you do find yourself in a closet just like, hmm, is this the song? Is this good? Is all of this bad? Is any of this good? Um, because the idea of picking one or two or three or like we, we did four, holy shit, um, because we did kind of do our progression of our album from 2021 into 22, 2022 because of the vinyl short shortages and all that. Um, we, we were like, okay, the first song is going to be She Drives. Or no, it was Cul-de-Sac, which is like a really creepy, dark song about suburban isolation, perfect for the lockdown times. And it's kind of a little bit inspired by the Stepford Wives, by Ira Levin or Levin, I don't know how you say his name. Um, but the thing was, we were very self-conscious or conscious, I should say, of the fact that we had really upgraded in terms of our sound because that was one of the songs that we had recorded partly at Kitten Robot Studios in LA with Paul Rossler, who was like, I have to, just as an aside, LA punk icon from the Screamers, worked with yeah. the T with TSOL and Josie Cotton and so many legends. And it's just such a just he's an he's a very he's a real deal and he has a very interesting mind. He's very, he's very good at what he does. And so the fact that he was part of that and he brought keys on and a little bit of backing vocals on, he really helped us layer the song and bring in like the lushness. I was like, oh shit. So the second single has to be a punk, a punk single. Or no. That, this is why the third single was a punk single, because the second single was more of like a fun, upbeat, like road trip jam. Right. It was still pretty lush and pretty. So yeah, the third one, we're like, we got to make sure people know that, you know, this song is like a big kiss to our East, you know, to Reed's kind of East Bay punk, like 90s, like gritty kind of scene that he really likes. And we both are inspired by. And so like you're and without getting like into it too much into the nitty gritty weeds, I think you're right that. Every artist is trying to like a get as many people as possible interested without alienating everybody around them. And we're this little punk band that has this reputation for being kind of like um, a little imperfect and kind of shabby around the edges a little like and just being kind of like a rock and roll band and a garage band kind of which is like our charm. And then going into like this very professional studio that has beautiful equipment and is a little bit more high caliber than what we're used to we were very conscious of that and being like well how do we show people that we're still punk rockers we still want to have a good time and click and act now was like our punk anthem that we just like threw out there like you know we don't even care if no one likes this <laughs> we just want people to know we're still a punk band but our latest single is taboo and that just came out like yes two days ago and that is a very 80s pop rock almost like pet pat benatar styled song that um we just felt like it was a real, like, I don't know, fist pumper. Like that sounds really stupid, but it's <laughs> one of those songs that were like, Hey, like so we think our audience is mostly punk dads and their daughters. Cause we always see them at our shows. It's always like a punk dad with their cool daughter. So like, that's a very punk dad, cool daughter song. We're like, I can see the punk dad being into it. Cause it's more like Joan Jetty, but then like the, the cool daughter's like, it's empowering and rock and roll and like subversive and kind of edgy. I like that, you know? Yeah. So you know, it's, there's so many thoughts that go into it. I'm not sure I answered your question, but we thought a lot about it. Yeah, no, I, I think that you did. And it shows the complexity of how, how that goes, because it is yeah. such a roller coaster of, and obviously with you guys being a two slash three piece outfit, like it's, it's a little more controlled, but when a band has four five, six, seven members, like everybody yeah. gets a vote and now nobody can decide like, it gets rough to say like, this is what we want to do. Um, and something I want to kind of reverse back on that you, you said, you talked about going into the, the studio with all this nice, fancy, you know, the higher end equipment. Um, 
does it give you a little bit of almost like an imposter syndrome when that when that moment hits like do we even deserve to be in this room right now okay well this is kind of a cute story because i definitely felt that way until i saw there was an amp there um that was owned by um paul rossler's sister kira who played in black flag and that was the amp that she used in black flag and for some people that would make them freak out even more. But I was like, oh yeah, Black Flag taught me that it's for everybody. So weirdly, somehow, like the mystical way of that studio, like I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then I was like, oh wait, like this, this punk rock is from a, I can do it mentality. If I don't believe in myself and I don't sell what I'm trying to sell of myself, why is anyone else going to believe in me? And like how, you know, how can you really be true to yourself? How can you really share a true product or true piece of art? I should say more than product if you don't believe in yourself. And so I was able to get through that pretty quickly. Also just working with Paul, you know, he is, I, I like to joke that he's a punk rock baby boomer because he was an original 77 punk rock dude um, in LA, but also he's of a different age group. He really is like a boomer age group. And like, he has this swath of music knowledge that's like this big. And my music knowledge is like maybe here. The reads is like maybe here. And so working with someone like that, I think it's always nice to work with someone who's a little older, wiser, has sort of like a more aerial view of what you're doing so that they can look at what you're doing and be like, hey, I could see you got strengths here, but you also have weaknesses. For instance, I had a really, really hard time singing for my diaphragm um, and breathing while I was singing, I, he noticed, and he called it out immediately. He's like, it's really weird. Like you're kind of like gasping for air at weird points. And I had never had anyone tell me that it was kind of, it would have been very scary. And it would have given me imposter syndrome if he hadn't been like, you know, that's totally fixable. You're going to grow through this. And throughout, you know, many of the songs on this album, actually, he was like, Haley, you're really improving on your breathing. Yeah. You're doing pretty good. You know, like he was helping yeah. me through it. And I feel like working with someone like that, you will never truly feel like that much of an imposter because not, it kind of just shows we all have these weaknesses and we're, none of us are these like, even Kurt Cobain did not come out of the womb with a perfect, you know, poetry and hair, messy hair. Like he yeah. had so many people and the situations around him that made him who he was that I really worked past that. But I do think for all women, I should just say to get it out there. It's like, I'm not saying it's not a thing, especially for women, especially if you're the only woman on a bill, the only woman on a tour, whatever it is, if just maybe there's more, more women around, but not as many as you'd want, it right. can definitely feel that way a little bit. Um, and I am, I, that's valid. And like, if you feel that way out there and that is something you're dealing with, like that's hundred percent valid, just recognize it for what it is. Be like, that's my little devil on my shoulder telling me I'm not good enough let it be there, but just don't let it run your entire show. Just let it be there and just be like, okay, cool. You know, because yeah. we all have it. I certainly do have it, but in the studio, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Yeah. No, I just, it's always interesting, you know, I think for a band on the come up, like you are, and then start, you know, like you've mentioned working with Paul and, and some of these people that have done it for so long and right. done it at a level that, is what you're striving to get to as well. So like to have that type of thing, you know, it's very easy to get in your head and go, but why me? You know, like, why yeah. am I the one here? So it's, it's cool though, that you're able to also spin that and go, well, a punk rock is for everyone yeah. and B it, it's a chance to learn, you know, and they didn't, you know, I'm sure Paul would there say. There was no roadmap. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I was going to say, I'm sure Paul would say, like, when they started out, they weren't good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. everybody has to grow through these things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's just, yeah, just knowing that and being okay with it. But also there's a sense of, like, you know when you're stepping into the right growth. Because you'll feel a little scared, but you'll also feel excited. And you'll also feel like you can do it. You know, like there's definitely jumps that bands take that maybe in the 90s, for instance, like when the major labels were just pulling bands from the depths of like the underground into the into Spin Magazine and Rolling Stone. And I can't imagine what those kind of bands went through. I feel like now these days, the steps that bands are taking are more manageable 
Mm Because you're going from like maybe a smaller DIY label like we did, like Eccentric Pop, which we love, to like a medium, you know, more connected one that's more, you know, professional in certain ways and not in others, you know? And so you kind of, I don't know. I feel like that we have it better these days because I don't think, I don't, I don't know any band at all that's like, man, I really hope a, a, a label guy's in the audience tonight and they're going to sign me to their big, cool record label because right. we all know it's not a thing. So it almost kind of takes the pressure off to where I just can't even imagine the bands that were like maybe in the Bay Area in the 90s and saw Green Day get pulled up into the yeah. CEO suite and and be like, oh my God, that's possible. Like that to me feels like, oh my God, that would be imposter syndrome. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I like, you know, a lot of people would say, oh, the music industry is broken, but like, I like where we're at. I like that the internet allows us to have sort of a egalitarian playing field a little bit and like interact with our fans more and just be like, oh, do you like this? Cool. Like we like each other. Great. We're friends now. I think that's nice. Like I don't mind the way that the music industry has gone. Um, yeah, no, I, I would agree. I think, I think the thing is, for so long until the age of the internet really the music industry was so reactive to everything there were there was no proactive steps being taken to like revolutionize anything you know and now the internet came out and it was like oh we have this potential you know again like back in in the 80s and before like if you want to get played in Japan, it's going to be hard to get your music over there. You have to find connections and there's a big long ass process. And now it's okay. I click the button and it uploaded to the internet and now it exists everywhere. So I'm okay. Yeah. Like I if I want to, if I want to go to Japan, which I do one day, it's like, I can literally find friends there, book a tour, crash on people's couches, all from the, you know, the internet. That's really cool. I think there's so many people that are just so negative on the internet and how it's made art and music free um, that it, it, it's such a, it's just a different ball game entirely. And you have to look at some of the positives too, as a young band or not a young band, but just as a, as a, as a baby band, DIY band, I don't know, however you want to say it, a band that, that relies on, on those tools to like get the word out, you know? Yeah. I mean, I do have a good team though. Uh, Kitten Robot Records has a wonderful press team, Ray B out of New York, and they're really cool. It's a very, very small group. It's it's helmed by Ray, who is an ex-goth and music journalist who you would probably really like. And he knows bands intimately. He knows musicians intimately. He he cares. And so yeah. there's just a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of medium-sized labels and medium-sized press and me, just a lot of mediums out there in the industry now. It's not like this, like David and Goliath anymore. And yeah. I'm cool with that. Like, I just want to be playing 300 people rooms. Like that'd be great. Like just, you know, eating delicious food, traveling the country. Like that's what I want. I don't, I certainly don't want to be playing like an arena show. That sounds horrifying to me. And also like, I don't, I've never even been to an arena show. It seems like it would be horrible. Like, yeah. Ooh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> it, it's counter punk rock, right? Like now you're too big and now it doesn't feel punk rock anymore. Um, but since we're mm-hmm. going to talk about Ray for a, a minute here, um, I've actually known Ray for quite a long time. He's actually one of the people that got me into the music journalism side of it. So yes! um, big, big fan of Ray. And like for anyone that doesn't like doesn't realize he's he's so much bigger than he'll even admit. You know oh, what I yeah. mean? Like he's done so he he worked with fucking Britney Spears during the Baby One More Time cycle. Oh yes, and I have a, what, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> so when we were in New York um, over the fall, we met him in person for the first time. And one of the things I'll take away from that conversation, and I had to get this out of him, like you said, like he doesn't talk about it. I had to like squeeze it out of him because he was talking about being working with Britney during Baby One More Time, and I was like, oh my god, when that when that um. Uh, magazine cover came out and she's laying on the bed with the Furby. I was like, you have no idea. That was like my Marilyn Monroe. Like I couldn't believe it. And I loved her at the time. I went and saw her at the fair and he was like, oh yeah. I, he was like, I was the one who was like um, involved. I was involved with that shoot. And there was a lot of talk about whether the Furby should be in it or not. And I was like, you were involved in that. You know, like for yeah. some reason that was like the thing I fixated on. I was so excited. And then he was talking about how he was involved with Spice Girls. And he actually yeah. sent me the Spice Girls, I think it's 20 or 30th anniversary, like picture disc. He sent yep. it like with a note, spice up your life. Cause during that whole conversation, we're just drinking drinks and whatever right. schmoozing. And I was just like, 
I was like, I don't want anyone to ever really know this about me, but like, you know, all I ever want to be is a Spice Girl. (laughs) And he just, not only did he agree, but he like embraced it. And he was like, I'm going to one, you know, level up one and send you like the Spice Girls cassette and the picture disc. And I was just like, Ray, like, this is a really good person. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the thing with him. Like, he was legitimately one of the very first PR people to give me a chance. So like I'm forever Mm -hmm. in his debt, you know, like I said, here I am 20 years later still doing this. And like, it's been that, that relationship, you know, he and I are friends on Facebook and we'll message each other from time to time. And, you know, we've both been through different tragedies in our lives and been able to reach out to each other and whatnot. And like the thing with Ray is, like I said, he's so humble, whether it's about his professional career or his personality. And he is one of the kindest, most beautiful human beings on this planet. And what a wonderful example of how to be in the music industry. Because yes. we all know people that aren't like that. So it's like people out there, you might not know him, but you know someone like him, whether it's a sound person whether it's someone who runs a label like Josie Cotton, who's a wonderful human being as well. And is just so generous, whether it's like the person who's working the door at the show, there's always going to be somebody involved who's really that. And you should thank them and like, know that like, those are the people that make a scene. Awesome. Those are the people. It's not the people that are the pretty people that are the rock stars. No offense, Ray, you're beautiful. But like, you know, like it's not all about like the lead person. You know, um, I firmly, I do understand and believe that. And I do consider myself a bit of a, um, introvert, nobody will believe me, but, um, I, I do, it's all the people behind the scenes. It's people like you, it's music journalists, it's writers, you know, without you guys, we're just like sitting here. Like, I guess my shit's out. (laughs) Right. We need you. We need you. (laughs) And you know, it it feels good to hear that it, the journalism side is sometimes the thankless job because it, oh, they're just doing their job. And it, we are, but there's a certain level of of integrity and passion that goes into this side of it too. You know, like we care about making the music scene better and want to see everybody thrive. And I think that's the thing is, like you said, it's actually why you make the scene exists um, or the name is what it is it's everybody within that music scene that makes that scene something. It doesn't matter if it's the merch guy, the fucking janitor after the show cleaning up the arena. Like these are all people that contribute to this music scene and we all have the potential to make the scene better. And I didn't even realize that I was literally talking about the name. It's like the name of the podcast. Yeah. Um, I was, so I was in journalism for about, uh, 10 years. Actually, I went to school for print journalism and I still write for bust magazine. And I pretty much only write for bust whenever it's a band that I really want to help support. And I feel like, okay, I really want to like give them a leg up. And it's not that I don't want to give everyone a leg up. It's more just like, yeah, that is the piece of my life that is still geared towards uplifting and being like, let's find out everything we can about this artist and show the world that they're amazing. And like, I, I have that in me. I never want to lose that. And I think that that's important. And a lot of bands do kind of miss out on that when they don't, when they make it all about them and they don't focus on like, well, what about the people adjacent? Cause there's always people above and below of, right. in terms of like where you are in the world, but there's all these people adjacent to you that are, these, these are your little brothers. These are your brothers and sisters in the scene um, or they and them's in the scene who are all on the same plane and they could all use like a hand. And it's important not to just look like, well, they're so far ahead and they're so much below. It's like, no, that's not it. It's like, who's around me right now? Who can I surround myself with that needs the fellowship, that needs community, that needs to feel like, okay, their music matters. Maybe I'll reach out to them and tell them how much I love their song or their album, what it meant to me. That's that's so important. And the the outlets, like like what you're doing now, totally provide that as well it's like a validation and like a a bouncing off of like i don't know you're just you're just reflecting the art back and i think that's so important if you don't have that there's nothing there like that's you're just screaming into the void and nobody wants that no and you know i talk a lot about you know like you said the the people adjacent to you the networking arms that you need to to reach out for 
Um, not for necessarily just your personal gain. Like, obviously, we all have dream. You know, everybody wants to be a millionaire, but <laughs> like, you you never know who those connections are going to be. You know, I talk a lot about um, Ali Hagendorf, who works for Spotify now, but when she started in music journalism, she was quote unquote a nobody. You know, she was just like anybody else writing for you know, magazines and, and things like that, websites and, and everything. And now she's the head of, I'll get her exact job title here. She is the head, global head of rock for Spotify. Wow. So like, yeah. So to see her move up that chain and now she has not necessarily in a, you know, a movie villain uh <laughs> mindset here she has this influence though that you know if she made a connection with someone 10 15 20 years i lost you for a second when i when yeah. you plugged in sorry um, I, I i uh i was running out of juice i was like oh god <laughs> no you're all good no um, i want her number can i have her number no, I'm I, if, if i had her number i need to get her on the podcast um um yeah, that's a really good point because you net it's just and you're like you're saying it's like it's not that you never know who you could gain from. That's a horrible way to think about it. But it's more like the people that are doing it and succeeding and and are feeling fulfilled in their careers are people that are helping each other out, mm -hmm. who are getting help from others. Nobody's an island. No one's doing this themselves. Absolutely nobody is making it on their own. It's a yeah. huge network. And it's that like who did you smile at? Who did you help? Who did you thank? Who did you um, you know, give a leg up when it meant nothing, when it meant no money for you, it meant no nothing. It just meant being yeah. a good person. And I think that's what you're saying, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, it, I recently lost one of the best bosses I've ever had to a sudden heart attack. But oh. something that he and I had talked about a lot is, you know, kind of his belief system is the same as mine as far as, you know, if if you take care of people, people will take care of you. And the music industry is a perfect example of that. If you're good to the bands around you, they're going to call you to come out on tour with them because they know that you're going to help out or whatever. If you're taking care of the fans, they're going to support you. And taking care of someone, like you just said, could be as simple as smiling at somebody, asking them how their day was and meaning it because you never know what somebody else is going through at that moment. 100%. First of all, I'm sorry for your loss. That's really devastating, but it's really beautiful that that's what you took away from your experience with this person, because this may, this really may be the secret to happiness right. is getting out of your own ass. And what is an asshole? An asshole is someone who's in their own ass. And so <laughs> any chance you can get to get out of it, which, Hey, I'm in my own ass all the time. I'm a, I'm a human. Um, anytime you can get out of it is so good. And I think yeah. there's nothing like going to like a punk show, honestly, to get you out of your own ass because you're going to see every walk of life there. You're going to fall down. You're going to get helped up. You're going to help someone else up. <laughs> you might get punched a little bit. Um, you might punch someone else. No, um, you might, you know, you, you're just going to go through the whole range of human experiences. There's a lot of opportunities to like ricochet off each other, which I think is crucial to a happy life. Like we live in a world where everybody's sort of separate and in their own little realms. And like, yeah, the, that's part of what I like about living in Detroit. I cannot go outside of my house without ricocheting off another culture, another race, another way of thinking, another kind of band that like is totally different than us, but just amazing. And um, just being open to like ricocheting. I don't know. That's like the word that keeps coming up in my brain, but yeah. um, it's important. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think that's a really good segue to speaking of getting out to some punk rock shows and whatnot. You guys are getting ready to head out on tour here uh, in a give or take a month. Yes. Um, so let's talk a little bit about this. You've got the Modern Adult Kicks Tour um, kicking off on September 23rd up in Fort Wayne. What, you know, obviously there's excitement. Yeah. What's this feel like coming out, you know, in support of this new art baby of an album? <laughs> art baby. Well, Thank you for asking. I'm just really excited. You know, we just moved from California and that was four months ago. And the minute we moved here, we went on a two week Midwest tour and then we bought a house and then we started restoring it. And then we started finding other honorary crushers to join us for this tour. So it feels like we've hit the ground running and we have, as usual, combined our powers to find some honorary crushers to help join us on this tour. It's going to be a four piece this time. 
The four piece is something that only LA audiences, I think I've only experienced. We've had a lead guitar player in LA that we just love bringing on another, another element to add more of those counter melodies and yeah. just make it so I can be more like Alan Jackson and just play <laughs> two now kidding. Um, so we have a four piece and we're going all over the Midwest and a little, we might go to Nashville where we're not still on scene on whether that's going to work out, but um, we'll be on in LA for a little bit, San Diego. And um, we're just excited to get out and share like a couple of these newer songs that, you know, we've been working with the same set list for a while. You know, our last album came out in 2020 and we've heard several people tell us, you know, Oh, you guys don't play Jacaranda. Oh, you don't play Church of Flag. And we started listening more. So I hope that audiences will just kind of feel like we listened and we give a shit and we we really tried. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, if you go home, I hope you just say those crushers really tried because we are really trying to put together like a really energetic and just a level up kind of show. Like we really are. And uh Dr. Kane will still be causing commotion and fights and encouraging people to get into a fight for a free t-shirt and offering free kidney punches as usual, but, um, we'll have a new record. So if anything, come get the new record. Yeah. 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 No, and I, I love that. The, the chaos that is punk rock, you know, it's, it's funny too, that it comes from your husband slash bassist because like I used to play bass guitar in high school and bass guitarists are almost as bad as drummers for getting a bad rap, you know, like, the drummer just gets forgotten about entirely. But a bassist, everybody's like, oh, he just stands off on the side. He doesn't do anything. Like, if it wasn't for the bass line, all right, let me tell you how how terrible music would be. Yeah, especially if you, like, look at records, pop punk, or um, reggae. Like, come yeah. on, we need bass. But, uh, yeah, he's a total, he's an agent of chaos. He really is. He's an evil villain. And he makes our shows interesting and fun, that's for sure. So no matter what, you're going to definitely get some in-your-face Dr. Kane action. He might just, he does this thing lately where he goes up to someone and he just like starts playing really hard in their face. And I don't know, I've seen it go sideways a few times. Um, You could be that person. You could be that person that he just plays really hard in your face and you have to stand there and be like, I am enjoying this. (laughs) That could be you. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So... Running from September 23rd all the way till November 26th. Obviously, there's dates off and, you know, a couple weeks off there at the uh, mid-October to November area. But um, so I guess my point there was it's not necessarily a small run. Like, there's opportunity for people to get out and and do this. Um, Especially, I'll probably be, I already talked to to the team. I'm probably going to be at the Indianapolis one at the Melody Inn. Awesome. Um, so that's on the 24th for anyone listening to this that wants to show up as well. Um, it'd be really Punk cool rock night. Have, yeah, let's have a, a you know, the, like flash mob type thing happen here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I think, you know, to kind of transition to the end here, um, the, the, I haven't seen the track listing or anything. One of the questions I've adopted that I really like is when somebody's releasing a new album, it's a two-part question, and that is, what song do you think people are going to gravitate to, and what song do you want them to gravitate to? Oh, God. <laughs> We're really peeling back the layers here. Um, well, I'll just go with what I originally thought because it's um, it's already shaking shape, okay? It's, I already know the answer to this question. <laughs> we wanted it to be Taboo, which is the first song off of the new album. It's our latest single. And I think people do like it a lot. But the one that's getting the most traction in terms of like people who have heard early listenings of it is actually a cover song of a very obscure um, power pop band from the 70s called The Shivers out of Milwaukee that we did. And a lot of people are like, I really like that cover. And I'm like... Well, they don't say cover. They just say they like the song. And I'm like, oh, and every musician knows whenever you get that compliment, that's like, man, I love all your shit, but I really like X, Y, and Z. And it's the cover song. It's just always like that. Um, I think people are really gravitating towards that cover. And for anyone who doesn't know the Shivers, you will absolutely, after you listen to our record, because you're going to fall in love with the song and you're going to want to listen to all their music and their music is really amazing. So that's the answer to that. But like I said before, I don't really even care. I don't care anymore. I just hope that people like 
give it a spin. And I mean, it's a beautiful record. It's like this beautiful blue color. Please don't leave it in the jacket. The things in the world are meant to be used up, like use the toothpaste, use the good wine, use the good China, spin the record, spin the colored vinyl. So I just hope that it sees like the light of day. That's all I care about. Yeah. Awesome. Um, obviously I'll link all of your socials and everything, but where Thank can you. people find you guys online? What's the best way to interact with you? Um, we're on Instagram quite a bit. So Haley and the crushers on Instagram, we also have a newsletter and a sub stack and the sub stack is an audio gift that I give out free once a week. I talk about Dr. Kane and my life and what we're going through. And I try to connect it usually to some sort of like helpful scrap of something that's helpful to creatives or just yeah. is, is uplifting. So that's kind of a fun little free sub stack. If you want to find that that's called crusher talk. Um, if you want to get on my newsletter, just go to my website, which is Haley and the crushers website. Um, and that's also just a good place to, to go to go, just go to the site and you'll see like, there's a newsletter sign up. Um, and you'll see like our socials and stuff. So you can just get everything from there, but we're also on YouTube. So our new video is out and, um, yeah, we're not on TikTok, so just don't ever try to find us on TikTok. Awesome, awesome. That's everything I've got for you on this conversation. I'm sure we're going to have more in the future. And like I said, I'm pretty. I'm like 98 sure I'm going to be at that Melody End show. Um, so again, I appreciate your time. Definitely looking forward to the new album and seeing you guys out on the road. Thank you so much, Josh. I really appreciate it, and it was a pleasure. So let me know if I can send you a record. I want to. Absolutely. We'll definitely connect. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. Toodaloo. See ya. Bye. And that was my conversation with Haley Crusher Kane. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. I definitely did. Super stoked for what they've got coming out. You know, like I said at the beginning and like we kind of talked about throughout the episode there, um, it's this really cool evolution of their sound and growth of their sound and you know i don't want anybody to think about it as a like a reimagining of the band or anything like that because that's not what it is what it is is the next step you know it's this next uh movement to being their authentic selves and they do such an incredible job of that already so i guess it's not even a step towards being that it's a step in being that and you know Haley's an an awesome uh person to to talk to and definitely we are looking forward to having her on the show more um also looking forward to getting out on this this tour um they've got a lot of dates that are going to be uh somewhere near you uh you know we we talked about it a little bit there uh in the podcast that you know they've got dates kind of kind of everywhere they're even circling back to uh california for a bit uh during the the tour kind of post uh the first leg of the tour if you will um but yeah if you're in the indiana ohio tennessee michigan area so you know the midwest that's not really the middle west of the country uh you're going to be able to see them i personally am looking forward to september the 24th uh at the melody inn in indianapolis it's punk rock night uh and haley's and the crushers are going to be there and so that's the show that i'm uh definitely working on getting everything set up for and i'm going to get out to so um yeah i i'd love for you know you guys to come out show support for haley and the band and you know supporting music again too like let's be very honest about it we have all missed this it's only been back a very short time in the grand scheme of things so we have to get out and do what we can to uh support the scene so um as always we'll have the social media and everything linked in the description of this podcast so go make sure you follow Haley and the crushers uh be sure that you Sign up for the newsletter and things like that um, because there's a lot of really cool shit that she's working on. And that's everything for that side of it. Uh, I am working on new merch for the You Make the Scene side as well as uh, coming up with a couple designs for musicians for mental health. So you guys will see those up in the shop relatively soon. 
Um, I'm also going to try to do like a Halloween themed uh, set. So we'll do like a short run, but there will be like a, a Halloween themed couple of items. So definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, also, as I've been saying previously, I am still looking for someone that wants to uh, come on and kind of collaborate with me as far as merch designs and and all that, uh, coming up with artwork for it and things of that nature. So if you or someone that you know is a preferably a digital artist, because obviously that's easier to make into the merch, um, let me know and, and we'll see if we can't, you know, connect and hopefully uh, find some some common grounds to push designs on. So as always, guys, I appreciate everything you do for me, um, for this podcast, all the support that you do give, all the listens and streams. Be sure to head over to YouTube and subscribe to the YouTube channel. I am putting a lot of videos up there again, or, you know, I say again, but recently have started putting a lot of videos up there. Uh, I'm going to make another big push soon to do some of the back episodes and get a lot more of those up. Um, And yeah, that's everything I've got for you guys. So with all that being said, remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.